Welcome to another episode of Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Let's get to the show. My uh, co-host is actually here sitting across from me, not on a computer screen. It's uh, kind of nice to not be staring at a bookshelf and looking at an actual person. <laughs> yeah. Nate, welcome back to the studio. Thanks, man. It's good to be back in the studio. Um, so, had a busy week this last week, you know. Very busy. And uh, got a really busy week this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be having a baby this week. I don't think you're having the baby. Well, I need to have a baby. I need to <laughs> need to lose lose that belly. You but, and me both, buddy. But yeah, man, we we're uh, Saturday. If if he doesn't come by Friday, we're going in Friday night and Saturday going to be inducing and man, we're excited. But uh, it is very exciting. Going to be not looking forward to not getting sleep. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure I will be. But anyway, so we are back in the studio today um, after a pretty heavy episode last week that dropped and uh we're going to continue on in that series this one i promise you guys won't be as heavy um but it's going to continue on with what we were talking about so if you remember last week we talked about identity and then this week that's going to spread into character and then from there we're going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about purpose so today we're going to sit down and talk about character and what it means to have a godly character So first of all, to have a godly character, we have to have found our identity in Christ, which is what we talked about last week. And then there's four key points that I kind of see when you talk about having a godly character, and that's integrity, humility, a conviction to God, and a servitude or a servant's heart. And so when sitting down thinking about this and trying to think about people in the Bible who just really represent that good character. There's a specific story that really stuck out in my head, and that was the story of Joseph. That is quite the story. I've, I've read that story my whole life, most of my life, and uh, I just really, uh, I guess I read it differently this time around. And it was a, there was a lot going on with that guy. Man, and, and honestly, when preparing for this, the just saying it, I was like, like I was listening to part of it, I was reading part of it, and I was just like, I forgot how long the story of Joseph actually was. Yeah, and it's a, a really long story, which makes sense because it takes place from the time he was seventeen years old till like one hundred and ten. But it's still like you just you kind of forget as you get older. And now we're not going to go through all. 20 chapters or whatever of Joseph's life here, but we're going to kind of just summarize it. But it's crazy to think, you know, where Joseph came from, from a 17 year old boy to what he ended up doing just by the time he was 30. And then, you know, by the time his, um, by the time, yeah, we'll just get, we'll get into it when we get into the story. But yeah, I mean, just, just shows you that what God can do in our lives in such a short period of time, if we're just committing to him. So let's get into it. Um, first, I guess we'll just kind of run through the story of Joseph, just a little summary. So Joseph, you know, at the age of 17, he was seen to be 
the favorite son of his father. Um, he, well, one of one of two favorite sons, right? Because Benjamin was yeah, because he had two in his old age. But at the time of this, he he was the favorite son of his his father um, to Rachel, and his brothers kind of hated him for it. And so, on top of that, Joseph started having these dreams. And in these dreams, he basically said, "Hey guys, listen to this dream that I had. I'm going to rule over you." Yeah, it was pretty uh, prideful and arrogant the way that he presented it. And I'd never seen it that way before. I was just like, oh, he got this dream and he understood it and yeah, that's what it was. But yeah, I, I'd never thought about it from the perspective of the brothers. And had, you know, and then I got thinking about my own siblings and yeah. had I been the one or had, say, my brother Sean been the one that came up and said, oh, by the way, you know, how would I have... I guess in that situation, it would have been Sean coming up and saying, yeah. hey, this is what God has shown me. Well, right, because how much older are you than Sean? Like uh, 12 years. 12 years. So yeah. imagine like he's 17 years old and you're 29 and uh, Sean's like, hey, by the way, Nathan, I had this dream and you're going to bow down to me. Yeah. Like, I know 29-year-old Nathan would have not, uh, not really taken that greatly. I don't think... This Nathan was taking it greatly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so it's just wild. So he has these dreams, and of course the brothers don't like it, right? Well, then, you know, besides all of that, he, he ends up telling his dad to, and his dad's like, are we really going to bow down to you? Right. And But his dad doesn't, like, dismiss it. He just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's in the back of my head. You know, he doesn't disown him or make him less favorable or anything. But then he sends all his other brothers off and they go to tend to the livestock in another area of the country. And at some point, you know, Jacob sends Joseph to go check on his brothers and see how everything's going. And Joseph goes to find his brothers and his brothers are like, oh, here comes the dreamer. Uh-huh. You know, that still bitter over what he's he's done and said to them. And they decide, well, let's kill him. But then Reuben, the oldest, he's like, no, guys, let's not kill him. Don't lay a hand on him. We shall sell him on eBay. Let's go. Well, Reuben's not even aware of that. So Reuben says, let's put him in a cistern and we'll, you know, come back later. Teach him a lesson. Mm. Yeah. And then so the brothers all go throw him in the cistern. And on the way, they're like, well, let's not leave him to die. Let's sell him off to the Ishmaelites. So they do this. And then when Reuben goes back to help his brother escape and take him back to his father, he's not there. So Reuben tears his clothes and they devise this plan to bloody up his robe and then tell their dad, oh, he was devoured by something, Mm. you know, something in the wilderness. So at this point, they're like, okay, daydreamer's gone. We don't have to deal with them anymore. And life moves on. And so Joseph now is a slave of these traders, the Ishmaelites. They end up selling him to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is an Egyptian. He is um, starts seeing that everything Joseph touches, because Joseph has God, starts to prosper. Mm-hmm. And Potiphar's like, okay, well, I'm going to start putting this guy in charge of everything. 
and everything Joseph touches begins to prosper. And so he's over the head of his house. He's over the fields. He's literally doing everything for Potiphar. He's basically his right-hand man. What could go wrong for this guy? Right. For Everything's those of, going good for him. For those of you that like have watched shows like Yellowstone or something like that, he's Rip. You know, he he's he's the right hand man on the ranch. He's he's doing everything for the boss man. <laughs> that's an interesting way of looking right? at it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's doing. He's running it all, but yeah. because he's doing it through God and behind God, everything's prospering. So what can go wrong? Well, he walks into the house one day and Potiphar's wife is there and no other servants are around. Mm-hmm. And man She is hot. For Joseph. Hot for Joseph. And Joseph does exactly what the Bible tells us to do when sexual immorality is there. Flee. Flee. (laughs) (laughs) He says, flee. And Joseph's like, I'm not dealing with this lady. You know, he's he tries to reason with her first. And he's like, you know, your husband has given me this great honor, you know, all of this stuff. And the one thing he's told me not to do is touch you, his wife. And I'm going to respect that. And I'm going to honor that. And I'm going to honor God in that. I'm going to flee from this. Well, as he's fleeing, she grabs his cloak and leaves it behind Mm -hmm. in her hand. Now, I always wonder when I read that, I'm like, so does he go running out? Like, what are they wearing in these times? Like, is it just a cloak? Like, so does she grab his cloak and he's running out of the house naked? Sounds like it. That's what it sounds like, right? Yeah. So it's like at that t- point, then she turns to her servants when they come back in and she's like, look, he left his clothes here. He tried to come in and take advantage of me. And of course, she tells this to Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's not happy. He says, off with his head. No, no, <laughs> he didn't go that far, but he, he says, him, let's, let's imprison this guy. Yeah, let's this put him in, not cool. Let's put him in jail. Which you would think. You would think there'd be conflict there because, you know, Joseph's like his most trusted servant and everything that Joseph touches does well. So he's got to look past that and just look at the principle of everything and be like, okay, this is not cool. I've got to, we've got to lock this guy up. Yeah. Well, it also kind of reminds me of like, from Potiphar's perspective, it's the same type of thing as when, um, when, like God in the garden told Adam and Eve, you can do basically anything you want, but don't eat of this tree. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing from Potiphar's perspective. So basically you can do anything you want, except do not eat of my wife's fruits. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it that way, but, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so anyway, so he throws him in jail and there he sits. Now, mind you, we started the story. He was 17. Um, and here we are in a couple years. He's in jail for something he didn't do. Right. And he still does it and goes through it. Doesn't, as far as we know, complain about it. But he does everything he does with a God's heart. And so while he's in jail, there are two people that were servants of Pharaoh that are also in jail. One was the baker mm-hmm. and the other was his cupbearer. Mm-hmm. And they both had dreams. And basically Joseph interprets those dreams just as he had done his own dreams to his brothers. But the difference in this time interpreting is they had heard that he could interpret dreams 
And he said, well, it's not my, it's not I that interpret them. It's God. 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 And so he had a little change of heart in the way that he presented things at that point. And so anyway, he tells the cupbearer in three years time, I'm sorry, three days time Mm -hmm. in three days time, you're going to be back at the right hand of Pharaoh. And unfortunately the baker who heard this good news was like, Oh, well, what does my dream mean? And he goes, well, (laughs) sorry to say, bud, but in three days time, you're going to be dead. (laughs) Yeah. And when he says this, even though he had just said it's God's interpretation, he then tells the cupbearer, when these things come true, remember me. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. It kind of stuck out to me in that moment. Cause even in that moment of knowing that this is God telling him what the interpretation is, he still was like, remember me. Like, don't remember God. Don't remember, like, remember me. And I saw that still. I was like, okay, there's still a little bit of humbling that needed to take place in Joseph right there. And so because of that, everything happens and comes true. The cupbearer forgets him. For like two years. For two years. Yeah. And then finally, the Pharaoh starts having these dreams and none of his magi or wise men can interpret them. And so the cupbearer goes, Oh, yes. Mm. There's this guy in jail who interpreted my dream and said exactly what happened was going to happen, that you were going to reinstate me and you were going to impale the baker. Mm. And he said, and it all came true. So Pharaoh says, bring me this guy. And basically, the Pharaoh had had two dreams, one about the calves, one about the grain. He had seven calves that were going to be very fat, and seven calves that were very skinny and deathly looking, but they swallow up the fat cows. And then the same with the grain. The grain had seven. And they, but they don't change. Correct. They stay the same. Right. And so, anyway, so then he brings Joseph in. And Joseph says, oh, okay, well, again, I'm not the one that interprets. God is the one that interprets, but he is trying to tell you something. And this is what he's trying to tell you. And he tells them that have seven years of, of good harvest and even the poor will eat well. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have seven years of famine. Right. And so with that information, he says, well, I need an advisor. And, you know, it's his Pharaoh. He can pick of anybody he wants. But then he says, well, Joseph, you're so wise. All my wise men in my magic, I couldn't do this. You're in charge now. Mm-hmm. And so Joseph... Goes around the country. He, he basically becomes like a governor. Right. Yeah. Well, he's Pharaoh says, you will have everything that I have, except I will only be over you in the fact that I am Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And so basically he's like, he is like Pharaoh, like a king, like he told his brothers he would be. And so that is what ends up coming back full circle. So he goes around all the country. He stores up all the food. And then once the food is stored the seven years of famine hit. And then they have all these stockpiles that people are able to come and pay for and take care, take. And of course, from the land of Canaan, here come the land of Israel, Mm -hmm. all his brothers. And they come and they say, okay, we need food. Let us buy it. But they don't recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. So then they, he accused them of being spies a few times just to test them and because to fulfill the prophecy that God had stated in his dreams before, like everyone had to be there. 
So they keep Simeon behind, send him back with the grain, and they get back and realize our silver's in our bag again. Mm-hmm. And so they get home and they tell the dad, and dad's like, okay, well, when we go back, you need to take the silver back. And they go, we can't go back unless we have Benjamin. Uh, and he's like, no, you're not taking Benjamin. You've already lost one of my sons uh, to death. One of my sons, Simeon, now is captured. You're, I'm not losing another son or I will die. Well, they start to run out of food again. So Judah's like, I'll take care of him. I'll take his place if anything happens, you know, etc. They go back. Benjamin is with them. Same circumstance happens. They buy the grain. They bring double the silver back to repay what they they thought they had gotten away with mistakenly. And then after they have dinner at his house, they still don't recognize uh, their brother at this point, Joseph. So after they have dinner at his house, then not only does he put all the silver back in their bags again, have his servant do so, he also throws the silver his silver cup mm-hmm. in Benjamin's. And at that point he lets them go on their way. And then after they've been gone for a short time, he sends his servant after them to basically confront them. They're like, no, we wouldn't do that. You know why? You know, we're honest men. Why would we do such a thing? We even brought back double the silver, you know, because we thought we were, it had somehow gotten back in our possession. And he said, well, let me see your bags. And of course, Benjamin has it. So now he's like, well, well Benjamin- they, they didn't just say we didn't do it. They said, hey, look, if you find it on us, then we will suffer the consequences. Right. You know, you can imprison us and, and kill me and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and basically, they find it. The servant finds it. And so they come back and they say, you know, we are now your servants, all of us. And he goes, no, no, just the one who had the cup, Benjamin. No, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. know, Judah's like begging for him. He's like, our father will surely die. Right. Our father will surely die. And Judah's laying out the entire story for him. And then finally gets to the point where Joseph just can't do it anymore. Well, Joseph sees that his brothers have changed. Yes. He and, sees and that's what all this different. testing was. That's mm-hmm. what all this testing was. And, and he's just like, all of a sudden just starts weeping and runs out of the room gains himself, washes his face, and he comes back and he tells his brothers, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. Mm. And then he starts to weep over them all, kiss them all, and basically he said, go back and tell dad and, you know, bring them all back. And that ends up being what eventually happens is they come back. Now they're all able to live in the land of Goshen, um, which is what they negotiate with Pharaoh. And so now all of Israel is in Goshen. And that's where we start the captivity that eventually leads to the Exodus. So all in all, that's basically a quick summary of the story of Joseph. So was exactly quick, (laughs) (laughs) but what I found really interesting in the story is that it really captures all of those categories of what godly character means. And when we continue to live our life in a godly sort of way, we will rise to peaks that we never even imagined, even though there's times in our life that look like struggle. No, and times that we're going to fail. Right. 
And as long as we continue to do the right thing, God will still continue to bless us. But if we stray from that path, then then the struggle is not the struggle is just going to surmount to continue to be more than we can handle because we don't have God on our side. So the first thing I just kind of wanted to look at was integrity. And so, you know, the definition of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and moral uprightness. And I think it's very safe to say, if you look all throughout the story, Joseph had a lot of integrity. Um, Potiphar's wife, you know, he had the integrity to be honest and to be true, true to what his master's wishes were. Mm-hmm. And he, why, whether or not it turned out in his favor in that exact circumstance, God had a bigger plan and he was using the hurdles that he was putting in the way for that plan. And, and Joseph was able to trust that. You know, and still say, okay, I'm I'm gonna live by God no matter what is put in my you know, because he probably could he could have probably slept with Potiphar. Potiphar would have maybe found out at some time. Mm-hmm. You know, but that wasn't what God wanted. He had that integrity, he had that that um in his heart to say, God, I'm not I'm not gonna do that, you know. I'm gonna flee from this temptation. Which I guess the the modern day equivalent of that would be like pornography, right? Right. I mean, we there are a lot of people that that get distracted when they're going about their daily life with images, and right. they can either choose to give into those images or just okay, I need to change up what I'm doing because this is about to get me into trouble. Well, and even similar situations, not just as that. I mean, there are still countries that have. Uh, you know, slavery and stuff like that involved where indigenous servitude, all that kind of thing, where those can be those kind of situations. But if you think about it in like our society, how many times do like people go on like work trips with coworkers mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe it's you and a, a female coworker and y'all are both staying in hotel rooms and opportunity presents itself. You know, are you going to have the integrity to say, no, this is not what's right. Let me do that. You know, there's situations all across um, something that, I had to learn for myself um, a few years ago was this, I've got a friend that's, she's a girl, been a friend of mine for a long time. And my wife was out of town for something. And I was like, you know, no big deal. I'm just, I'm just going to go have a drink after we both got off work. Nothing. It was very innocent. Like there was never any intention in my eyes of doing anything. Well, my wife and I, we just happened to have trackers on our phone mm-hmm. <laughs> And so when she doesn't get a notification that I'm home, um, you know, to ease herself and make herself able to go to sleep, she like looks at the thing knowing, you know, this is what time you should have been home. And she's like, Hey, where are you going? Why are you going there? And I'm like, I'm just going to have a drink with my friend. You know, this person, you know, she's like, that's a single girl. And you're going to have a drink with her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I mean, she's a friend of mine. Nothing's going to happen. She was like, that's not the point. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. It's and how does it look? Exactly. And I was like, all right, that's, you know, I've got to respect her in that. And so, you know, it was something I learned and it's something I've never done since, something I've never even thought of since. But even in that way, like we have hurdles like that in our life that we may think is innocent, but it presents the opportunity to stair step our way into something that's not innocent. Exactly. 
And that's where we need to have that strong integrity and honestly, even the conviction to do what's, what's right. And that's where having a good godly character comes in is that you're able to see those things really before and say, no, I'm not even going to do that because that could cause me to stumble. Mm-hmm. Which then leads us next into the next part of character, which is humility. Um, as we remember in the very beginning of the story, Joseph really didn't have a lot of humility. You know, he was like, oh, look at this dream I had, you know, bragging, kind of bragging to his brothers mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And he just really didn't have that, like, humbleness to say, this is what, you know, this is what God's saying, not what I'm saying. And really, like, how to present it. Right? And it was just one of those things, like, a, a brother does to another brother to try to make him, is what it comes across as, you know? But if we look in, um, humility is a very important thing for God. It's actually so important that if we look at Luke 14, 11 and Luke 18, 14, it actually says the same thing twice. The exact same quote. Let me turn there real quick. All right. Luke 14, 11 and Luke 18, 14, both read as follows for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that is Jesus speaking in both instances. So for us to be exalted, we need to be humble. And there was something I was listening to earlier this week, which was really interesting because I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, it was a source of pride kind of for Joseph. You, you know, reading that before, you never realize because in kids' Bibles and stuff, when you hear the story, it doesn't really pick up on that pridefulness. Right. Well, there's something I was listening to in a sermon this last week that it talked about a source of pride that we don't even realize is the need to be thanked. So if we feel the need to be thanked, that can be a source of pride inside of us. And that really struck a chord with me because I was just like, man, I was like, that's, that's really insightful if you think about it. So God wants us to be thankful Mm -hmm. And he always wants us to give thanks, but it's when we have that, I need thanks Mm -hmm. that, that changes our heart. If you really think about it, because you're like, I need you to thank me for doing what I did. It makes you feel important when somebody takes notice of you and thanks you. Right. And that importance is a, is a strong feeling that, that a lot of people want. Right. And in one of the exact situations was, you know, do you need to be thanked for something that, you know, maybe you were a part of a team doing that, you know, you, you never got credit for or this and that. And it, it literally like that exact phrase happened to me back when I was like 22 working at Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I was an assistant GM and I led a drive for Light the Night Leukemia Walk and, you know, whatever store you know, did, you know, the best got some sort of prize, whatever from corporate. And at the time, like I was in charge of running all that. And we like broke records in the company that year for doing it. And I was, you know, pushing our team and doing everything to lead that. Well, then when we were doing like our Christmas party thing, the, 
you know, GM spoke highly of my GM or I'm sorry, the, the owner spoke highly of my GM and was like, Oh, you know, this is what they did. And this and that my GM never peeped a word of my name. And I was just like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know, in that moment I was like, come on, man, I did that. Like I was, I was the main person in charge of all this. Like you handed this off to me, you delegated it to me. I was like, you're not even saying my name. And I've never looked at that in the time of being like a prideful moment until I heard that this last week. And I was like, wow. I was like, we, and I am this, I'm like, but we should always be thankful. But it's when we feel like we require being thanked Mm -hmm. that that's a change in our heart. You know, that's not our heart being in the right place, that place of humility. And it really, it really struck hard with me. And then another spot <clears throat> is in John uh, 123. Let me turn there real quick. Uh, John, uh, actually, I'm going to read a little bit back. So this is about John the Baptist. So I'm going to go verse 19 to 23. Now, this was John's testimony when he when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, well, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So I'm going to stop there and then read the last verse after I say this. They literally teed this up for John to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a big dog. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what I came to do. Here's what, you know, what God said about John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't do that. This is what he says. He goes, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Man, if you don't have a more humbling moment right there where it was perfectly teed up, and and I'm a little disappointed in you right now, Nathan, because I was waiting for the man, I love that, (laughs) right there. And we hadn't had that in a couple weeks. I was waiting for it. That was the perfect opportunity. But... uh, (laughs) But no, it's like it, they literally teed it up for him to just brag about himself. But he said, no, I'm the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make way the, make straight the way for the Lord. You know, he's like, it's not about me. It's about who's coming after me. And I was just like, that's, that's humility. That's, it should never be about us. It needs to be about what are we doing for the kingdom? What are we doing for Christ? And the fact that he is coming back. So with that humility, then leads into conviction, you know, to do what is good. And uh, John 16, 8, basically, this is a summary of the verse, but it says, the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of its sin. And, you know, you think conviction, you're like, oh, you know, the modern day term of conviction is, I did something wrong. I'm convicted for it. Now I have to suffer and punish. Right. But when we feel a conviction in our heart for God, it's not necessarily about being punished. 
It's about receiving grace. And that's where it's different from a godly character point of view as it is from like a worldly. Because God convicts us lovingly to lead our hearts to repentance. Conviction draws us away from destructive behavior that hinders us in our relationship with God and others. Jesus' goal is to bring us out of that condemning place of sin and usher us into a freedom of forgiveness with the assurance of his love. And so when we think about conviction of God, we need to not think about how, you know, if we do one little thing, we're going to be wrong. You know, we're going to get punished. We're going to get in trouble, you know, and, and this actually reminds me of a story that most parents can relate to when, you know, you tell your kid, I know you've experienced this, but I had a friend, a friend of the podcast, Nicole, mm-hmm. we were talking the other night and she said that her daughter lies about like the dumbest things. Oh yeah. You know, and I know you've experienced this exact one, so you're going to appreciate this. Her daughter said, oh yeah, I brushed my teeth. And then she was like, what did you brush your teeth with? Oh, my, my, you know, purple toothbrush. And she pulls it out from behind her back. She goes, this one right here? Well, why is it dry? She goes, that's so weird. I can't believe it dried already. Because obviously I brushed my teeth. I told you I did. You know, this and that. It's like, it's like, man, it's like we in life, instead of just being like, you know what? I'm wrong. You know, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Here's my heart, God. Let's turn away from it and let's move forward. Sometimes, man, we just dig that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, I I knew you could relate to that because you had a lot of struggling periods with your daughters with that. I still do. Yeah. It's still like, yeah, I I brush my teeth. It's like, okay, well, let me smell your breath. (gasps) Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you want to smell my breath? I told you I brushed my teeth. Oh, man. But, yeah, we just need to really focus on just having that, you know, I'm sorry, God, I did wrong. You know, and, and that's why David was a God after man's own, a man after okay. God's own heart. There you go. Was because, man, David was not sinless. <laughs> He's talked of so high in the Bible, but he committed a lot of sins. Yeah. But he was very quick to recognize those sins and repent of them and turn away. And that's why he was a man after God's own heart. And so also talking about Joseph, you know, the conviction to do what's right, you know, he showed humility later on once, uh, once he had established himself and gone through these trials and tribulations, you know, he started giving the ability to interpret dreams over as a thankfulness to God, as opposed to lifting himself up. And then with that conviction, like he was always convict, he was always convicted to do what's right. You know, I again said this was integrity, but it, it was also conviction with Potiphar's wife. It would have been easy. It would have been, you know, fulfilling to lustful desires, you know, and all of these things. But no matter what he did, he was going to do what was right in the eyes of God. Yeah. And it allowed him to continue to be lifted to a place of uh, respect and authority. Which to me 
shows that his mind was always on God and doing godly things. Because if it wasn't always on God, then in that moment, it would have, like you said, it would have been super easy to just, okay, well, let's see where this goes, you know, and then, and, you know, consequences be damned type thing. Yeah. Um, but his, his heart was in the right spot and, and it wasn't just in that moment. It it, it shows that it's always been in the right spot, even if pride got in the way or whatever, his heart was always focused on God. Well, yeah. I mean, he could have taken Potiphar's wife and he could have, you know, potentially had a kid with her and, you know, his seed continued on, but he didn't. And he went God's way. And eventually when he was the right hand man next to Pharaoh, Pharaoh literally gave him a wife. He said, here, here's a wife. And he had two kids with it. And on Jacob's deathbed, Jacob blessed both his children to be one of the tribes of Judah, mm-hmm. you know, the tribes of, of Israel. And it was just like, you know, you continue to do things God's way, even though it may be hard, even though, you know, you may not understand what the outcome is going to be. God will always continue to bless, which then leads us to the final point of servitude. And I think this is the most obvious one that was portrayed throughout Joseph's life is that once Joseph was sold into slavery, he was a servant. That's all he could be until he was in prison. And even at that, he still served the people in the prison. Mm-hmm. You know, and even at that, when he got promoted out of the prison to Pharaoh's right hand man, he served the country to prepare them. And having a servant's heart is one of the greatest examples of love. It's just service to others, always allowing yourself to put their needs before your own. And that's. There's no greater example of that than what Christ did for us. And so if we look at Philippians 2, starting at verse 3, I'll turn there real quick. Or if you get there first, you can read it. I got there. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So if we are to know that Christ is our Lord, know who we are in him, And then that breeds the character of Christ in us. Ultimately, we are to serve others all of our days. We are not supposed to put our 
own interest first. We're supposed to put the interest of others first in the name of God. And by doing this, we can allow ourselves to be exalted when our days are over. We can allow ourselves to be exalted when our days are over? Yeah. Do you remember what I said earlier about, uh, oh, what was it? Luke fourteen eleven. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, if we continue to show godly character, which also means showing a godly heart, serving others with our life, always putting Christ's work before our own, then we can live a life that's different from the world. We can live a life that's set apart, that people can say, man, even in hard times, Nathan seems to always be blessed. Josh, just something different about it. And I want people to look at me that way. Not because of a pride thing, but because it can bring more people to Christ. Because they can say, what's different about him? Let me ask a question. And then maybe that sparks a conversation that maybe is life-changing for that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the ultimate service that we can provide is by being available and living a life that looks different from the world, but is also attractive because if we live a life that's different from the world, God will bless us. Yeah. I mean, this, I don't know how this would fit in, but I kind of wanted to go back to um, the podcast we did on, finances uh for a moment and mm-hmm. i don't know how you'd work the center if you want to but um thinking about the uh joseph part of the story where it's talking about the seven years of prosperity and then seven years of famine like that's that's something that anybody that has a job is going to go through in life like yeah. ev- everybody not everybody Everybody may not go through it, but everybody should at least plan for the inevitable. Right. Um, and I and I know that that's been true in my life, and and I think that I could say that you found that to be true in your life, and that you know, especially in a commission based role, like you you had those those weeks or months or whatever where it's like super profitable beyond what, especially when you first got into it, is probably yeah. more profitable than what you've dealt with previously in the past and so when you're getting these large sums of money it can be easy to be like well my bills are completely covered this month and i've got all this money to play with yeah and not really think about okay but this isn't necessarily promised to me next month or next week you know and so um it it was good in that story that joseph was like Hey, we need to take five percent of all this stuff that we're that we're getting and put it in silos and right. hold on to it because there's gonna be a time of struggle. And that's the same thing with like our pay, you know, like mm-hmm. like when we get paid instead of just going and blowing it on it everything was, that we it was want. actually twenty percent, but yeah. It was one fifth. One fifth. That's where you got that's, the five. That's right. <laughs> uh but yeah, so it's it's the same thing with our finances. Like like we need to be able to set aside 
portions of our finance in order to um, be able to go through the dry seasons yeah. and not and and we'll, there'll still be struggle, but it won't be as bad. It won't be as detrimental. You know, right. if 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 they hadn't saved their grains and stuff like that, then the seven years would have been rough, and and a lot of people would have lost their lives. And I don't know. It's 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 hard. It's hard when you're doing incredibly well to see that there's that that's not necessarily going to be the way it's going to stay. Well, I think that's where I think it ties in perfectly because I think that's where having a godly character brings all this in. Because if you have humility, you have a conviction of what, you know, is right to do in God, then you can do those kind of things more easily. You're, you can, you you're, can see them coming easier. You, you can see them coming easier, but you can also, in the moments of prosper, you sit there and you say, okay, um, you know, yeah, I could go on this trip or I could do all that, but is that the responsible thing to do? You know, and you when you're more in touch with Christ, you can make those decisions easier and not let it be about, you know, what, what's, what am I going to show that I'm doing on social media? What am I going to, you know, and and I'm not saying that was our case, but it was just, you know, we like to live in the moment at the time. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's better to plan for the future than to live in the moment. And I think that's a big crucial part of the story that was Joseph, you know, it's like, because even at the end when, his brothers were father had passed away. They were worried that, well, now Joseph is going to lash out at us. You know, dad's gone. And he was like, you know, the past was the past. God, like y'all didn't put me there. God put me there to go ahead of you, mm-hmm. you know, to prepare to save our entire nation. You know, it's like, so why should I be mad at you <laughs> when God had a plan all along. Yeah. And that's the hard part in those times is you got to, especially if you've already gone through a time of not being prepared to have the sight to say, okay, God, how do I, you know, I'm going to just trust you in this moment. I mean, you think back to Exodus or forward to Exodus from this, the slaves were given out of the hand of the Egyptians the Israelites were given out of the hand of the Egyptians, but yet they would go a couple days without something that they had anytime they wanted at home. And they would be like, Moses, how could you take us out of the hands of the Egyptians? How dare you? We had water. We had food. Mm-hmm. We could eat whenever we wanted. We were miserable, but we had all this stuff. But we had all this stuff. Yeah. And it's hard to sit there and say, oh yeah, God, you're going to provide. Oh yeah, God, you're going to provide. And, you know, I think that was a big point of it. The whole thing was just showing that if we're in God and in touch with God, he will let us know when to plan for the future. We just got to be in connection with him. Yeah. So, and I think that's a big part of having a character of God. So, but yeah, of this, while I was reading through the story of Joseph, I mean, a lot of things stood out, you know, the whole fleeing from sin stuck out to me but but more so i was looking i just want to stop you real quick it's not just fleeing from sin it's sexual sin because every other sin if you look in the bible we're supposed to stand up against but sexual immorality the bible tells us to flee from so sorry all right 
Uh, but it, it reading about the seven year and the seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine, that really got me thinking about when we were talking about finances and, and got me thinking, why didn't we mention that then? That, that was one of the perf, that was a perfect story to have brought up at that point in time. Yeah. The beautiful thing is we have a podcast. Now we can bring it up now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm been really, it's been really nice being just like in the Bible, just trying to get prepared for these and feeling that connection to God. And like today driving around, I was just literally listening. I've listened to almost the entire book of Exodus today while driving around in the car. It's like, it's just, it's, it's awesome. It's, it feels good to just be in connection with God and just kind of sitting in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that being said, um, I think that's going to about tie us up today, but um, next week we are going to talk about Nathan. Do you remember? You listened to the podcast I sent Identity. you like three times. Nope. <laughs> oh, relationships. relationships. There you go. <laughs> We're going to talk about relationships. So stay tuned for that one. But guys, again, we thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please share it with other people. Um, we do have a Facebook page that y'all can reach out and talk to us on uh, if you feel so inclined. But also, you know, if, if you are on that Facebook page or you have a way to share this, just share it with other people that you feel so called to do. Um, yeah. We're, uh, we're going to keep rolling. So, all right. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can catch all of our new episodes. And please leave a review to help other people find our podcast.